Allow me to ask you something. How much of an impression can a book make on you? How much can you be affected by a book? And there are many things that reading does. There are many things that reading can do. And there are many ways in which we could answer this question. How a book can make an impression We might say that a book has affected us emotionally. It's a book that really moved us, brings you to tears, stirs feelings in the heart. It contains ideas which have bounced around in your head for some time, which you've tried out which have really opened things for you in your mind. We could say that a book has expanded your perspective. It's made you think differently about life. It's made you think differently about how things work, what life is philosophically and conceptually. It might be that we say that a book affected our psychology. It affected our values. It affected what we see as important, what we see as good, what we see as beautiful, and what we want to start aligning our lives for, to be working towards and moving towards. It might be that a book has changed how you feel about your relationships. It's made you reevaluate your relationships. What you want to say to the people in your life. How you want to be around them. How you want to understand them. How you want to relate to them, just in general. It might be that a story... It's something that affects you in ways you don't really understand. It affects you in a way that you can't exactly articulate. You can't can't exactly explain. But it's just something. There's just something about it that fills you with a gratitude. Fills you with a thankfulness that that book has made an impression on you. There's many forms of stories. There are long stories and short stories. There are personal stories and impersonal stories. There are stories with a message. There are stories with a cause and stories with a call to action. And there are true stories. 
And the story that is all these things is the story of grace and grit. And today we begin a new series, which is a commentary on the book Grace and Grit by Ken Wilber. And this, by every measure, is one of the books that has made the deepest and most lasting impressions on me. It's an ambitious series, I say to myself, and I must honestly confess to you, because it is such a deep story, and there is so much to it. And there are many approaches to commentaries. We can do cross-literary comparisons, or we can do a more informal kind of reaction, which is personal. That is to say, well, this is just my personal reaction to it. And then we can do explanations, or finding new examples of how the concepts Concepts that are described can apply to everyday life, and more specifically to my life rather than just the life of the general audience. And therefore, by example, these, exam- these applications can be applied more broadly. And I do this with sincerity. I do this with a humbleness and I do it only to draw more attention to this story. I only do it for education and criticism or or commentary purposes only. So there's no affiliate marketing at all. There's no gain in this for me personally. And it's really, to be honest, just the best way and the only way I can think to fully express the impression that this story has made on me. Now, many people talk about what they like with their friends, and many people write letters to the author, many people do all sorts of things about the books that they love and the stories that they love. And this is just my way, is to talk about it here. This is just my way to create something. And it will be personal, and it will be inseparable to my personality. And that's why I've called this series Impressions of Grace and Grit. It's not a academia analysis of the book. It's not a... It's not even an integral analysis of the book. It's really a layman's version of integral theory. And I did release an episode previously which was titled A Buffoon's Tribute to Ken Wilber, or A a Buffoon Explains Integral Theory, something like that. And that was sort of a broad introduction to integral theory itself, which is Ken Wilber's philosophy 
and which appears in different forms in this book, Grace and Grit. And I was also considering calling this series A Buffoon's Impressions of Grace and Grit, (laughs) because I wanted to recognize that the story is so much further beyond me. It's so much further beyond anything that I've experienced. It's so far outside my realm of life understanding, my perspective. And I wanted to acknowledge that. And I wanted to say that I'm very humbled to be speaking about this and how meaningful it is. And it will be colourful. There's a lot in this. It's a story that has really the full spectrum of consciousness covered. It's got therapy and intrapersonal, both collective and individual. And it's got all sorts of inner world explorations and awareness and consciousness and perception. And also there's the integral psychology, the integral philosophy, and the integral theory broadly that Ken Wilber talks about. And it's a narrative, so it's got a beginning, it's got a middle, and it's got an end. And I will say, probably most importantly, that this story takes courage. It takes courage to read it. It takes courage to realize its full implications. And it has a gift that you can carry with you for the rest of your life if you are able to step up to that courage. And I would also be very understanding if you could be patient with my courage and the limits of my courage when we come up against them as we go through this series because it's bound to happen I know I will falter at times I know I'll make mistakes I know there will be things that aren't quite right and I'll do my best and I do this with noble intentions as a tribute to this author as a tribute to this story. So that's some of my thoughts and feelings surrounding the beginning of this series. If you haven't read the book, then I highly recommend it. And this commentary is in no way at all not even by a nanosecond, a substitute for reading the book. So you must read the book. If you have read the book, well, maybe you'll enjoy this series, this commentary more. Maybe not. Maybe it will. (laughs) I I hope it's, like, I hope I'm not showing too much of my self-doubt. Like, the self-doubt has to be, I have to acknowledge it. But also there will be points where we have to move on and just get into it. And those points are coming. Those times are coming. But if you haven't read the book, you can still listen to this series. And 
I hope that at least part of the way through, you, you realize that you have to read this book. This is a book that you must read. This is, this is one of the, the lifetime, all-time must-read books. This is in the top, top highest percentage, the highest tier. This is one of the books that everyone must read. It is a story of the ages. It is a timeless story. It's a story with so many depths to it and such a beautiful message that it really must be read all over the place. So there is also a movie on this book and I haven't seen it. I think it comes out, I think it's already out or it's coming out either this year. It was meant to come out this year, but I haven't seen it. I don't know if it did come out because we had the pandemic breakout at around the same time it was meant to come out so i don't know if it's out i'm (laughs) to be honest i'm a little bit afraid to see the movie because i can't even watch the trailer (laughs) without bursting into into tears so (laughs) maybe if you just watch the trailer of the film you'll get an idea of what we're in for but maybe not it's maybe because i know the story that the trailer triggers so much so This series, this commentary is entirely only on the book, not on the film. So we did a Harry Potter commentary series, and that was on the books and the films. But here we're just concentrating on the book. And this this is a whole different ballgame to Harry Potter. This is the (laughs) This is the other side of the world compared to Harry Potter. So Strap yourselves in and buckle up because it's going to be a big one. So I'd like to read the preface to the second edition or the introduction to the second edition. And then we'll talk a little bit about the structure and format a little bit if if i feel to however we end up as this conversation unfolds but as i read this so much of the story will be uh, revealed and you'll get a taste of what we're in for and just to set the scene a little bit the stories of ken wilbur and his wife, Treya Killam Wilbur. And it's her story as well, as there are many excerpts in the book from her novel, uh, from her journals, her personal journals. So just allow me to read this introduction. I'll read, I'll read basically all of it. Now this how much quotation we do throughout the series and how much commentary and where I decide to focus on and which impressions I choose to illuminate is something that's still open. So I just thought the introduction would be a great way to set the scene. So this is what Ken Wilbur writes for the introduction to the second edition for Grace and Grit. 
As I write this, it has been ten years since Treya's death. I am immeasurably more and immeasurably less because of her presence. Immeasurably more for having known her, immeasurably less for having lost her. But then, perhaps every moment is in life is like that, filling you up and emptying you out all at the same time. It is just that oh-so-rare that such a one as Treyer is with us, and thus the joy and the pain are also intensely amplified. There are as many Treyers as there are those who knew her. What follows is my Treyer. And I'm not saying it is the only Treyer, or even the best, but I do believe it is a full account, fair and balanced. In particular, it makes liberal use of her own journals, which she kept on and off for most of her adult life, and which she kept almost daily during the years we were together. I had always intended to destroy these journals after Treya died, and without reading them myself, because they were so intensely personal for her. She never showed them to anybody, not even me. Not because she was reclusive or private about her real feelings, and thus had to hide them in her journals. On the contrary, one of the most extraordinary things about Treya, in fact, I might say the single most astonishing thing about her, is that she had almost no split between her public and her private selves. She harboured no secret thoughts that she was afraid of or ashamed to share with the world. If you asked, she would tell you exactly what she thought about you or anybody else, but in such a non-defensive, direct, straightforward way that people rarely got upset. This was the basis of her enormous integrity, People trusted her right from the start, because they seemed to know that she would never lie to them, and as far as I can tell, she never did. No, I had intended to destroy the journals simply because when she wrote in them, it was a special time for her to be alone with herself, and I felt that nobody, including me, should violate that space. But right before her death, she pointed to her journals and said, you'll need those. She had asked me to write about our ordeal, and she knew that I would need her journals in order to convey her own thoughts. In writing Grace and Grit, I read through all of the journals, around ten large notebooks and many computer files, and was able to find excerpts on virtually every topic covered in the following pages, thus letting Treya speak for herself in her own words in her own way. As I read those journals, it was exactly as I had suspected. There were no secrets, no items that she had not generally shared with me or with her family and friends. Treya simply had no split between her public and private selves. I think that was exactly part of her enormous integrity, and I think that was directly related to what can only be called her fearlessness. There was a strength in Treya that was absolutely fearless, and I do not say that lightly. Treya had little fear, because she had little to hide, from you, or me, or God, or anybody. She was transparent to reality, 
to the divine, to the world, and thus had nothing to fear from it. I saw her in much pain, I saw her in much agony, I saw her in much anger, I never saw her in fear. It's not hard to understand why people felt alive in her presence, vivified, awakened. Even when we were in various hospitals, with Treya undergoing one gruesome indignity or another, people, nurses, visitors, other patients, their visitors, used to hang out in her room just to be around the presence, the life, the energy that seemed to radiate. In a hospital in Bonn, Germany, I remember waiting in line to get into her room. She could be obstinate, strong people often are, but it came out of that core vivid presence and wakefulness, and it was bracing. People often came away from Treya more alive, more open, more direct. Her presence changed you, sometimes a little, sometimes a lot, but it changed you. It drew you into you. It drew you into being present to the present. Capital P. It reminded you to wake up. One other thing. Treya was remarkably beautiful, and yet, as you will see in the following pages, she had almost no vanity, which was amazing. As much as anybody I have ever known, including some very enlightened teachers, she was unselfconsciously herself, just so. She was simply and directly present, all of her. The fact that she had little self-consciousness made her even more right here, around the world, Around Treya, the world became immediate and focused, clear and inviting, bright and honest, open and alive. Grace and Grit is her story, and our story. Many people ask, since I was so careful to include Treya's own writing and her own voice in the following pages, why I didn't list her as co-author of the book. I had thought about doing so from the beginning, but conversation with editor and publisher made it increasingly clear that to do so was misleading. As one editor put it, a co-author is someone who actively writes a book with another person. This is different from taking someone else's writing and weaving them into a book. The reception to Grace and Grit was overwhelming, and it wasn't me the readers were responding to. To date, I have received close to a thousand letters from people all over the world, an unprecedented percentage write to tell me what Trey's story has meant to them and how it has changed their lives. Some have sent pictures of their baby daughters named Treya, and I can tell you, as a purely objective bystander, that they are the most beautiful little girls in the world. Some of the people who write have cancer and they were initially afraid to read the book. But once they did, they tended to lose their fear, sometimes almost completely. A gift from Treya to them, I honestly believe. Dear Ken, Last August, I was diagnosed with breast cancer. I had segmental surgery, lymph node dissection, and a three-week treatment. I am in constant relationship with cancer on all levels. Several weeks ago, a friend told me of your book and I knew I had to read it. It was a scary thought because after all, I knew the ending. But, 
I thought. She had some other kind of more serious cancer. How's that for denial? The fact is, I have the same kind of terrible cancer Treya had. The truth is, this book has been at moments terrifying, but totally freeing. Freeing because Treya describes almost step by step the way in which she moved through the pain and agony of cancer and into a spiritual freedom and liberation that outshines death and its inherent terror. As one of my favourite letters said, and this is the entire letter, Dear Ken Wilbur, I am 14 years old. Since I was a little girl, I have been very afraid of dying. I read Treya's story, and ever since, I have not been afraid to die. I wanted to tell you this. Or another. Dear Ken, Last year, I was diagnosed with advanced metastatic breast cancer. A friend of mine said I had to read this book, Grace and Grit. But when I asked how it ended, she said, She died. I was afraid of the book for a long time. But having finished it, I wanted to thank you and Treya from the bottom of my heart. I know I might die too, but somehow following Treya's story has made me unafraid. I feel free of fear for the first time. Most of the people who write do not have cancer. It is simply that Treya's story is every person's story. It might seem that Treya had it all. Intelligence, beauty, charm integrity, a happy marriage, a wonderful family. But, like all of us, Treya had her own doubts, insecurities, self-criticism, and deeply unsettling issues about her own worth and her own purpose in life. Not to mention a brutal battle with a lethal disease. But Treya fought the good fight all of the, with all of those shadows, and she won by any definition of the word win. Treya's story speaks to all of us because she met those nightmares head on with courage and dignity and grace. And she left us her journals, which tell us exactly how she did it, how she brought meditative awareness to bear on pain and thus dissipated its hold on her how instead of closing down and becoming bitter and angry, she greeted the world with love in her heart, how she met cancer with passionate equanimity, how she rid herself of self-pity and chose joyously to carry on, how she was fearless, not because she lacked fear, but because she immediately embraced it even when it became obvious that she would soon die. I will bring the fear into my heart, to meet the pain and the fear with openness, to embrace it, to allow it, realising that brings wonderment at life, it gladdens and nourishes my soul, I feel such joy, I am not trying to beat my sickness, I am allowing myself into it, forgiving it. I will go on, not with anger and bitterness, but with determination and joy. And she did so, greeting both life and death with a determination and joy that outpaced their tedious terrors. 
If Treya can do it, we can do it. That is the message of this book. And that is what people write to tell me about. How her story moved them to remember what really matters. How her attempt to balance in herself the masculine doing and the feminine being spoke directly to their own deepest concerns in today's world. How her remarkable courage inspired them, male and female alike, to carry on with their own unbearable suffering. How her example helped get them through the dark hours of their own nightmares. How passionate equanimity installed them directly in their own true self. And why all of them understood that, on the very deepest level, this is a book with a profoundly happy ending. As of this writing, Trey's family, Rad and Sue, Katie, David, Tracy and Michael, are all still alive and doing well. Treya often said she could not imagine having a better family, and to this day I agree with her. Treya and I were together for five years. Those years have been etched into my soul. I really do believe that I have kept my promise, and I really do believe it is due to her grace. And I really do believe that any one of us can meet Treya again, any time we wish to do so, by acting with honesty, integrity, and fearlessness. For there lies the heart and soul of Treya. If Treya can do it, we can do it. That is the message of Grace and Grit. So this is what we're in for. We've got a famous author, Ken Wilber, who meets a woman and they fall in love and get married and she is diagnosed with breast cancer. And what follows is what happens to her, what happens in their relationship, what they do, how they feel about it, how they think about it, what are the ups and what are the downs, what is the whole journey, what is the battle with cancer, and what happens when she dies, what happens when the cancer has its way. And in so many ways this is and book that reshapes how we feel about disease and relationships and also death. So I hesitate to say that the cancer killed her because that's not exactly right. And even to say that she dies in a in one sort of way you can say actually she doesn't die in the end of this novel, in the end of this story. So that's something we'll be looking at. That's something we'll be addressing or that this story addresses. 
And also another just astonishing thing to consider is this. Well, Ken Wilber's written this book. So he's been through this life experience. He's had some time to process it. And then he's written the book in his own time, in his own way. It's a retrospective for him. That's one half of the book. But the other half is her raw journals. Treya's raw journals. Now, let's just take a moment to appreciate that. Let's take a moment to really understand the significance of that. Because when you write a journal, I don't know if you've ever done this. I highly recommend it if you haven't. But when you write a journal, there are some things you read back over and you think, oh, that's terrible. My goodness, how did I think that? Or what I thought about a certain thing or how I felt about a certain thing is completely changed. And of course, there are also good bits. There are all sorts of bits to it. There are all sorts of ins and outs and things that fit or don't fit. There's a, there's a harmony within you. There's an amount of honesty and holistic being in you. And how much of the shock it is for you to read back over your journal, Israel, that's an indication of how much harmony you have. And to publish a journal, well, normally what happens is you go through and you edit it and you cut out certain bits or you do certain things and you reinterpret how you felt at the time by wording it differently and shaping it into a better version. That doesn't mean you're changing how you feel or there's something, there's an integrity there. It just means that, well, when you write and you release a book, there's always a refining process. There's always uh, working it out. There's always a something. There's a step. There's a process. There's a step in the process that involves a polishing off. Now, what's happening here is partly that on the side of Ken Wilber and placing the story together. But in the case of her journals, we're getting what she actually thought at the time. It's 100% raw. And I don't want us to forget the significance of that. I don't want us to forget how raw that is. She wrote the journals at the time she was experiencing what she was writing about. And if we keep that in mind as we go through this, then it just makes it all the more remarkable. It makes it all the more astonishing. And it really speaks to her integrity and her fearlessness, as was discussed by Wilbur in the foreword. So it will be one chapter per episode, and we'll do one per day. And I know there will be certain things that I choose to focus on which other people might not like or might have chosen to spend more time on or more not on. And at this stage, I don't know. At the beginning of every series we do, I don't know how it's going to turn out. I sort of adventure forth and how it unfolds 
as I go through it and I really look into it and we sense how we feel about it and we have some thoughts and some contemplation and these sorts of things, we can never know. We can never predict how it will be. But this is a very rich book. There's so much in it. And it's really, it's really multiple stories entwined together. And you'll see this. It's a very, well, it, well it's a second tier piece of novel. It's a, it's a second tier piece of literature. So <laughs> we're always talking about first tier and second tier. Well, this is second tier. So, and, and in fact, well, first tier, second tier conceptualizing comes from integral theory. That's spiral dynamics, which is a component of integral theory. So, very colorful things to come. And my honest feeling is that I'm nervous about it. I wish to do it justice intellectually. I'm afraid to be too emotional at certain stages, at certain parts. I'm... Understanding that once we go through this, there will be a new understanding that I have from the book. I mean, I've read it a few times at least already, and there's still so much more that resonates with me and that I wish to understand. So it's definitely good to have you along for the ride. It will be this this will be a big adventure. This is a, an ambitious series that we're doing, like I said before. And I highly recommend the book, as I've said before. And there's really not much else to say except for prepare yourself, brace yourself. <laughs> so this will be our introduction notes for... Grace and Grit, or the, the series, Impressions of Grace and Grit. So, we'll see what happens. <laughs>